So if you can tell by that clip, um, one of the favorite uh, war cries and chants um, from Avengers Affinity War. Um, wow. Tough emotional weekend this past weekend. Um, I remember where I was. Um, uh, I got the notification. Chadwick Bozeman had passed away. So usually Friday night is is Jen and I's date night. Um, uh, we taking our uh fur baby out to Chala, uh, to walk him. Uh, parents, you know, fur babies, you know how that is. So it was about nine thirty. Got back in. And uh, had my phone on silent. And so I'm looking. I picked up my phone. And I had some messages. And I had a missed phone call. So I looked and checked. And I saw our good friend and sister Allie text me. And Facebook Messenger. And I looked at it. And I just couldn't believe my, my eyes. What I was seeing. Said uh, Chadwick Bozeman had passed away at the age of 43 from cancer. I just, I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> um, I was choked up. I couldn't even speak, really. I was just like, what? The, what is going on? And I was thinking, man, 2020 again. So I was like, and I was like, no, nah, it can't be true, you know. But um, I called my cousin Ambiance back and and put him on speakerphone, and he was like, "Yeah, Chadwick Boseman passed away," um, and I just I just could not believe it. Um, this one really hit home pretty hard. Um, this was one of the first, I think black superheroes that not just the black community could connect with but everyone in general um i've spoken to so many people that 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 you know love his you know love his work and they loved black panther um just and i remember when civil war came out 2016 captain america civil war and i remember looking at the trailer and just immediately I mean, you know, and I, I don't read comic books, but I just remember, oh, that's Black Panther's got to be, you know, I was really excited and overjoyed. Um, and I was like, finally, man, to bringing them in, you know. Um, so uh, just thrilled. And I remember for two years straight, uh, I went as Black Panther for Halloween. And, and I remember just couldn't wait um and, and you know to, to jump in the costume and everything i still got my suit and, and the mask i'm definitely going to keep forever uh, as long as i live um I, I just know he 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 was just a huge part of the marvel universe um but also he had some iconic roles he played um Jackie Robinson, the movie 42. I got one Valentine's Day um, as a gift. Great movie. Uh, he was James Brown in, in Get On Up. Um, and 
play Thurgood Marshall. Um, I mean, he, uh, he had to have a great agent, but not only that, a phenomenal actor. Um, and he had another movie, uh, I believe a Netflix exclusive that came out recently, uh, 2020 film uh, during the pandemic. But uh, also he had a movie, I really want to see 21 Bridges, that was done by the uh, Anthony and Joe Russo, the Russo brothers, who actually uh, do the Marvel films. Um, but I saw some photos of him a while back, and he was really skinny. And uh, there was talk of some people making fun of him. And that's just the most horrible thing you can do and not knowing what somebody goes through. And... I mean, I'm, I'm seeing some of the photos, and, and man, he looked really sickly. Um, I didn't even know he was going through that. I don't think many people did. Maybe just his family, obviously there. Uh, but not just a superhero, but a a hero in our eyes, just what he did. Um, I mean, he meet fans, uh, visited St. Jude's Children's Hospital, um, and, and, and we always talk about community. That was a hero worldwide, um, no matter, you know, locally or nationally. You know, he was a true hero. And I was just seeing all the tributes from um, friends of mine, you know, other people around the world, celebrities. I mean, he truly was loved. Um and the, the Wakanda for, Forever pose is so iconic. Um, you know, people love doing that, embraced it, uh, embraced the culture. Um, you know, very few times we see that, but we saw that with him universally. Everybody was just embracing uh, the Black Panther culture, so to speak. Um, so he did a lot of good, uh, gone too soon, will never be forgotten. Um, uh, we will always remember Chadwick Boseman. Um, it's just going to suck not seeing him as the black Panther. Um, and he was just a, a, a great actor on so many levels. Um, like I said, this, this hurts a lot. Um, I was given so many text messages and, and people were concerned with me cause they they knew how much uh, Chadwick Boseman meant to me. Uh, I was telling a friend of mine the other day, I said, um, there's a few people that I look up to or uh, try to idolize or mimic or some shape, form, or fashion that I just loved. Uh, Michael Jordan be one of them. Um, and probably speak for a lot of people that love Michael Jordan. Um, that 90s was an iconic era. But as far as, you know, a person, a hero, a superhero, uh, activist, Chadwick Boseman, top of the list, hands down. Um, definitely going to miss you, Chadwick, and, and your work. Uh, you, you were extremely just uh, phenomenal what you did. Um, moving along here. Um, so the NBA went on strike uh, last week uh, in regards to Jacob Blake shooting that happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin. 
and um, strong bold move. Totally agree with it. Um, you know, people shouldn't take for granted getting to see these athletes um, putting on, you know, and showing their God-given talent uh, week in, week out. Um, and I know a lot of the players made some controversial remarks stating, you know, we we shouldn't have came down here in the first place and it's doing no good. You know, we can't protest or we can't do anything. But um, I think this has been the one of the best things so far. Uh, you know, the NBA playoffs uh, maybe getting um, – you know, a, a little relief into something else because so much going on. Um, you know, this was great. And then another shooting happens. And I'm going to play a clip here by the Los Angeles Clippers coach, uh, Doc Rivers. And he had some things to say. And it just, man, it just makes you want to think like, wow. Um, you know, coach, you know, speaking on volumes on this. So I'll, I'll let you guys hear this if you haven't already. As far as, as, far as the other situation, um, it's just so sad. Uh, you know, it, what stands out to me is um, just just watching the Republican revention, uh, convention and this they're spewing this fear. Right, like all you hear Donald Trump and all of them talking about fear. We're the ones getting killed. We're the ones getting shot. Uh, we're the ones that we're denied to live in certain communities. Um, we've been hung. We've been shot. And all you do is keep hearing about fear. It's. It's amazing why we keep loving this country and this country does not love us back. And it's just, it's really so sad. Like I should just be a coach. And it's so often reminded of my color. You know, it's just really sad. We got to do better. Uh, but we got to demand better. Like, we got, you know, it's, it's funny. We protest, and they send riot guards, right? Uh, they send people in riot outfits. They go to Michigan with guns, and they're spitting on cops, and nothing happens. The training has to change in the police force. The unions have to be taken down in the police force. My dad was a cop. I believe in good cops. We're not trying to defund the police and take all their money away. We're trying to get them to protect us just like they protect everybody else. Uh, I didn't want to talk about it before the game because it's so hard Like to just keep watching it. That video if, if you watch that video, you don't need to be black to be outraged. You, don't, you need to be American and outraged. And how dare the Republicans 
other ones having to talk every to every black child. What white father has to give his son a talk about being careful if you get pulled over? It's it's just ridiculous. And it just keeps getting, it keeps going. Uh, there's no charges. Breonna Taylor, no charges, nothing. All we're asking is you live up to the Constitution. That's all we're asking for everybody, for everyone. Thank you. Man, the emotion just uh, well pouring out of Doc Rivers. Well, I think he said some things that are really important. Number one, his dad was a cop. So that changes the whole dynamic right there. But I've said before, man, it's exhausting being black. It's exhausting. I mean, this is like the fifth or sixth time in the last few months, like, we had to talk about this stuff. And he said something true. Like, when you watch George Floyd, if you're not mad as a human being, there's something wrong with you. And then that thing that happened in, in Wisconsin. Jacob Blake. Jacob Blake. To see a man shot seven times in the back with his kids in the car. If that don't upset you, you don't even have to be black. You know, it, I mean, you don't have to be black. When Mr. Floyd and what happened in Wisconsin, when that happened, like, if you're not upset as a human being, uh, it's something wrong. No, all you need to have is a pulse. A pulse. I mean, if I was walking down the street, uh, you know, I love Kenny Shack and you and Ernie, you guys like brothers, but if I didn't know you guys, and I was walking down the street, and I saw a random stranger have one of y'all on the ground for eight minutes and 46 seconds, I said, yo, man, get off that dude. I mean, just somebody I did not know. And, and like, th that's how, like, you just have to be a human. I don't have to know any, I, I, anybody walking down the street, if I saw somebody with their foot on their neck, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, even if something happened to me, it's gonna happen, I'm gonna break that up. And then this thing that happened in Wisconsin, man, it was just like, I, 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 and I said, we said last night, man, it was kids in the car. I mean, we all got kids. And you can imagine if one of those kids had an accidentally, I mean, I don't even know if you can call it an accident, it would have been catastrophic. Yeah. And look, we were going to do this later, but let's do it now because uh, Tuesday was media availability uh, for the Raptors and the Celtics in advance of game one of their Eastern Conference semifinal. It begins Thursday. But upper. Uh, I'll kind of stop it right there. It's a pretty long clip. Um, <clears throat> But uh, you can look it on YouTube. The Inside Guys react to Doc Rivers' comments about the police shooting of Jacob Blake, NBA on TNT. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's a troubling time in the world we're going through. Um, like Doc said, we have to demand better. And November 3rd is very important. And I'm not necessarily talking about the main election. I'm talking about local state elections. Very important. Um, we need change. We need change. Um, we need something different. Um, and we need to come together. Simple as that. Uh, uh, what's going on does not need to happen on any level. I agree. But there's a reaction because of an action that happened and 
people are just sick and tired of everything. Sick and tired of being sick and tired. And and, and that's what's sad. That's what's really sad. Um, so hopefully, you know, and, and I was telling my wife, I get sick and tired of, you know, coming on here talking about that. You know, that's really bad. Um, but it needs to be addressed. I mean, we, we got football season coming up. Definitely, definitely other things I would like to talk about, but this needs to be addressed. And, um, you know, I, I, I've thrown out that, you know, what if that was me, you know? Like, how would people react, you know? Um, you know, you need to recognize, you know, the, and, the, and it's not nothing to do. I had somebody tell me, um, oh, we're getting into it because of this election going on. No, no. Wrong is wrong. Right is right. I mean, everybody knows that. Um, this stuff is wrong and it's got to be dealt with. It's got to be dealt with. Um, but something else in that clip I was thinking about is, you know, there are some good cops out there. Uh, we need to get the bad cops out, <clears throat> out of there, uh, some kind of way. And, and I know the, the good cops are in a, they're in a tough position, but, um, later in that clip, uh, if you guys watch it and listen to it, Charles Barkley said, you know, if if you have a partner and you're going alone, you're a cop, you have a partner and your partner does something bad, you need to step in and say, hey, you know, that's not right. You know. And, and I don't know why that's not being done. I don't know if, if they're afraid or, you know, repercussions or what could happen. But that's just with anything. Um you know, you take somebody to 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 somewhere and, and in a sense, you are responsible for that person in a way. I hate to say it. You are responsible for that person. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's something's got to be done. Uh, well, I'm excited and grateful and glad and blessed to uh, bring on. Uh, and this is a first uh, for the podcast. Uh, so sitting at Lost 40. Uh, a couple weeks ago, got a text from this guy, never met him or anything. And uh, I messaged him and I said, you know, do I know you? And um, and he said, no, but uh, I want to be on your podcast. I want you to uh, I want uh, want you to interview me. I said, OK, OK, cool. So uh, he immediately sent me his uh, bio uh, and I was just reading and I was immediately drawn in and intrigued and uh man just extremely like as far as his uh his work very impeccable um humble beginnings um so uh we've got paul lamar hunter um the 19th or 21 natural born children to james and louise hunter um went through poverty tragedy neglect um and it, it it it's 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 just interesting hearing his story. He's going to talk about it on the show today. Uh, his mom found one of the first shelters in Wisconsin. So how awesome is that? Um, he is the author of a couple books. Um, one in particular, No Love, No Charity, Success of the Nineteenth Child. I strongly uh, suggest you go pick that up. It's earned a lot of attention from Ebony Magazine. He's been on a couple of television shows. He'll go into that as well. Um, 
and he's available. He's public speaker as well. Book signings, he can be reached. Paul at paullamarhunter.com or visit paullamarhunter.com for that. Uh, You can get his book at Barnes & Noble and also Amazon and iTunes. So uh, without further ado, I'm proud to bring on Paul Lamar Hunter. He's going to be on deck next on Happy Hour with Ryan. Paul. Hello, hello. Do you hear me? Yes, sir. Loud and clear. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. What about yourself? Man, I'm doing fantastic. Welcome to Happy Hour with Ryan. Appreciate you coming on the show. Okay. Yeah, man. So kind of tell us and got an interesting story, kind of how this came about. Kind of tell me how you tell us how you um, uh, learned about my podcast. Oh, I was on uh, Facebook and um, somehow people was talking about this um, podcast and um, I decided to um, um, send you um, some information to see if you would be interested in um, interviewing me. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I'm I'm glad because and, and man, we're gonna get into some things, uh, your life and you know some things about it and whatnot. I mean, your profile was very interesting, very intrigued to to, to learn about you and and as well as the audience as well. So, uh, kind of getting us started. Uh, so you were born in uh, Racine, Wisconsin. Is that correct? <laughs> Yes, Racine, Wisconsin, not too far from Kenosha, where the um, Mr. Blake was um, shot and injured. So I'm about 10 minutes away from there. So uh, my heart and my prayers go out to um, Jacob Blake and um, his his family. So certainly. And I do want to get into that toward kind of the end of our our, our show here, because um, that's definitely been the talk of the last 24 hours or so. But um, and I was reading along your profile. So you had uh, 21 brothers and sisters. Yes. My my mother birthed um, 21 natural children by my father. Wow. Seven, 17 of us living today, 63 grandchildren and oh, wow. 87 great grandchildren. Wow. That is a blessing. That is a truly a blessing. So, man, uh, how are things at home? Uh, kind of take us through your childhood. Oh, things at at home. It it was great all the way up until I was eight um, years old, and um, I lost my I lost my father in oh, a man. car accident. So wow. things became very difficult for my siblings and also for for me. Now, your your death of your father came at an early age. Uh, was this just just a freak accident that happened? Was it like you know? Sometimes uh, roads can be real rainy, you know, and just kind of veer off or slide. Uh, was it anything like that or something quite different? No, he was on his way home to uh, Fayetteville, uh, Mississippi, to visit his mom. Um, he got there. He arrived there. Mom cooked meal for him, had a conversation with him, mm-hmm. um, indicated that um, she missed him. Yeah. And so after dinner, he uh, told his mom that he was going to go out, hang out with uh, family and friends. Mom told him not not to go out. Please stay here. Um, I haven't seen you in years. I want to spend time with you. So he declined and went out. And as he was driving, he was at a, a stoplight. And once the light had turned green, he proceeded. But there was a lady in an RV that mm-hmm. light changed red for her. Mm-hmm. And she ran right through the um, uh, red light and hit my father and my oh. father was in serious condition and yeah. he, he died he died oh, wow yes wow. hear that 
Wow. Wow. So it shook the foundation, man. Um, uh, how, how'd you kind of, you guys deal with that? Cause I know that that was a major loss, you know, and that's a major loss for anyone, uh, during that time at eight years old, man. Um, well, I can say this, that it mm-hmm. was a major loss. It really shaped the Hunter family mm-hmm. thinking and, um, it really made us to come together as one and look out for each other. Because when you have uh, a father like my father, he worked two, two jobs and mm. he provided for us. You know, yeah. you know, he was the breadwinner in the Hunter family. He yeah. was a strong man. He was compassionate. Um, he supported us 100 um, percent. But I would like to say this. Mm-hmm. It was great people in the community, in the churches that came out and supported us in all types of ways. I remember a time that we did not have any Christmas toys. Mm. But do you know what? A knock at the door reveal unexpected gifts from mm-hmm. unexpected people right. that came and delivered gifts for us on Christmas day and so it 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 was a miracle at that particular time to have christmas gifts for my siblings and also for myself and it's if you ever go out and purchase my book no love no charity the success of the 19 child this book right here will change your paradigm it will change your thinking because it talks about how to overcome difficult situations. And in a family of 21 children that my mom birthed, Mm. you know, we experienced hardship, but we did not let our hardship define who we are. One thing that we did was we always kept our purpose above our circumstances. And so this message is for somebody that is listening to this interview that Mm -hmm. might be experiencing hardship. My message to you is always put your purpose above your circumstances and you will come out as a winner. And I felt that, man, you know, uh, speaking that existence, uh, I did a podcast with a friend last night and, you know, uh, he, it led him Uh, He's now uh, preaching it here at his dad's church. You know, he was talking about, you know, and and, and it's up now, Eric Martinez, episode uh, uh, 14. But just like, you know, he he got into a point where he just kind of lost a lot of things at a time in his life. And he just, you know, got on his knees and prayed, man. And, and, you know, everything started opening up. So that's a living testimony, brother. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. So tell us how, how, how were the seventies in Wisconsin? How, how was it up there? Um, and have you been back recently? Um, the seventies, uh, <laughs> in Wisconsin, it was, it was totally different. Um, a lot of people, you know, right now I'm living in San Antonio, Texas. And once I tell okay. people that I was born and raised, um, in Racine, Wisconsin, the question that they have for me is, are there any black folks living there? <laughs> but, you know, it's a lot of black people in uh, Racine, Wisconsin. But right. you will never um, um, notice that, you know, Wisconsin is 
just like uh, Los Angeles, Chicago, you know, Texas. Right. You know, we have our share of crime. We have our share of of injustices, mm-hmm. and have mm-hmm. our um, share of racial um, <laughs> profiling as 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 well. But yeah. Wisconsin for us, it was great being raised there in the seventies and also mm-hmm. in the eighties. But yeah, uh, it was time for me to go because. Once you leave mm-hmm. a city like Racine, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. you are surrounded by all your resources, meaning your family, right. your cousins, and you can always um, use them if you need them. And so when I began to branch out and come to San Antonio, Texas, <laughs> I began to, you know, open up my mind and 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 begin to expand. And that's what made me grow um, as a person, it really right. made me grow as as a person. And I believe that every parent that have a child and they raise that child in that city or that state, they they should want their child to go off to another state and learn that state and learn the culture of other people. You know, okay. it really opened up my mind. And now I have the opportunity to travel to Hawaii to do speaking engagement to Memphis, mm-hmm. Tennessee, you know, to Los Angeles, California. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm going um, I'm going back to um, Wisconsin in November. I was recently there in in um, March because my mother had passed away. And so um, mm-hmm. I was there for my mom's uh, funeral to mm-hmm. uh, show my respect and and. Right tell her goodbye. You know, I will yeah. see you on the other side. So um, it, it's it's a great place to live. And and I don't miss it. I really don't miss it because yeah. my children are here and my granddaughter is here. So I don't miss it. But, you know, I, I miss some of my my friends and some of my um, siblings yeah. as well. Great. And just want to offer condolences. Uh, your mom passing. Um, let's talk about her a little bit. Uh, in, and uh, I was reading again on your in your biography. Uh, she had found a homeless shelter. Uh, was that right after the death of your father and brother? No, no. My mom. If 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 you if you read my book, you mm-hmm. will see that I have a picture of my mom. Okay. And my mom started a shelter when I was in her room. Isn't that interesting? Wow. How about that? (laughs) So that shelter stayed in existing for about a good 45 years before it had closed the door. So uh, that was one of the first homeless shelter in the state of Wisconsin that was organized and put up by a African-American woman. She tried her best to assist the people in the community. And let me say this, mm-hmm. my mom and my dad was not perfect. Yeah. You understand? They were not, they were not perfect. And they did not raise any perfect kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> you know, my mom made some mistakes just like my father made some mistakes and just like, her her children made some mistakes, but hey, yeah. you know they weren't perfect um, right. parents, and we were not perfect kids. Right. And so I'm a father myself, and I tell my kids all the time, you know, you might say I'm a good dad, I'm a perfect dad. That's that's great, but yeah. you know, I'm not a perfect dad, and and you're not a perfect child because we always make mistakes. So my mom started that homeless shelter, and she had worked her butt off, and 
she she assists a lot of people in the community and it did not matter what culture you were from or if you were white or black or Hispanic mm-hmm. or Korean, my mother just loved helping people. And yeah. I think I think it came back to a event that happened in my mom's um, life. And my mom was pregnant with the 14th child mm. and they were living in a two bedroom house. And one day a um, police officer came there, talked to my mom and said, hey, you have too many people living in this two bedroom house. Mm. I'm going to give you 72 hours and you have to go. And my mom had prayed the next day, a knock at that door. That's one thing about, you know, unexpected gifts and unexpected people coming, but a knock at the door was a young man that came and told my mom, you know, I have an 18 bedroom house. Mm. I just want you to see it. Mm-hmm. And my mom and my dad went over there to saw the 18 bedroom um, house. And the man said, all I want from you is one dollar and you can have the house. And my mom and dad, you know, having a big family, they were they were they were struggling. So yeah. my mom and dad told him we don't have a dollar. So the man went into his wallet, <laughs> gave my father to the dollar to pay for this home. Mm. And that was a blessing. That's why I said you have to read my book. No love, no charity. The success of the 19th child. This this book is a warm, felt book Mm -hmm. that will grab you and say, I cannot put this book down. It will keep your attention from start to end. Man, I can't wait. I can't wait to read that. Um, How was school for you? Uh, Were you a pretty good model student? Uh, How did you fare in school? Well, after my father had passed away, Mm -hmm. I was a troubled kid. I have to be honest. I was angry. I was upset. I saw a lot of parents interacting with their children. Mm -hmm. And here you have this eight-year-old child, nine and 10, and then going um, to 11 and 12 and 13 years old, making that transition, just was angry because I only had eight years you know, with my father and I wanted more. And I saw parents, you know, when we would go on field trips, I saw parents going on field trips with their children, interacting with them, doing homework with them. And so I did not have my father. I was just mad at the world. I had some anger issues. I would act out in the classroom and it affected my ability to learn. It really did. Yeah. But as I became a teenager, I began to change. I began to change behaviors and I wanted a better life. I wanted a better life for myself. So I began to surround myself with a lot of positive men and women that were instrumental in helping me to overcome my struggles academically. My insecurities, you know, I thought that I was an ugly guy, you know, I thought I was unattractive, but then I began to build myself up. I used to get up every morning and say that I'm beautiful, I'm smart, I'm bright, I'm intelligent, I am a reader, I am a writer, I'm an author. I used to get up every morning and say those um, affirmations to myself and look in the mirror Mm -hmm. and those affirmation, you know, got deep into my spirit and soul 
And, and now I just feel like, you know, I'm on top of the world and that I can achieve anything I want in this world. That's true. Did, did you have a teacher that recognized a talent within you, like a major influence? We always have that one person that that we can remember that had uh, a great impact on that life. Who was that for you? I think it was um, uh, Mary Samuel okay. and uh, Mr. Zimmerman. Mr. Zimmerman was an English teacher. Um, um, Mary um, Samuel, she was a um, literature teacher. And mm -hmm. she, she, she used to always tell us, you can do anything you want. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> you know, as, as, as a teenager, you're like, ah, I don't <laughs> think so. I don't think so. You right. can do anything you want. <laughs> you know? and yeah. Mr. Mr. Zimmerman, Mr. Zimmerman used to always tell us um, um, potent stories um, about himself, how he used to struggle academically, mm -hmm. but he kept working at it. He kept working at it. And and, and those little um, antidotes really helped shape my life because it shows that it's it shows that you have to struggle mm -hmm. in order to make progress. Right. And, you know, Frederick Douglass said it. He said it best. He said, without struggle, there's no progress. So you mm -hmm. have to struggle in order to make progress. And I struggle academically, but look what the biggest reward was. Mm -hmm. I became the first in my whole entire family to graduate from college with a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration from Upper Iowa University in 2012. And, and, and I am blessed today because people like you, mm -hmm. you know, read my story and say, I have to have this guy on for yeah. an interview. Because this story right here is going to impact my life, but it's also mm -hmm. going to impact other people's lives. Now, you, you like I'm sharing my story with you, but do you know that my book has been adapted into a screenplay? I did not know. No. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's 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 strange how how the the beginning. Mm -hmm. Is about adversity. It's about trials. It's about the test. But the end, I always say this, the end is always better than the, be, the beginning. That is true. That is true. <laughs> College, um, did, did you have uh, some picked out your senior year? Uh, you know, you ended up at Upper Iowa University. How did that happen? How did that come about? Well, I, I had, um, in 2005, I ended up... Um, graduating from um, Gateway Technical College with associate's degree in supervisory management. I went to work for Chrysler Engine Plant. And so um, I was working for them up until 2010 until they announced that they were closing and moving operations to Mexico. So I got into the program and Chrysler paid for my education. All of my books, all of my tuition, Chrysler paid for everything, and I graduated from college. Gotcha, gotcha. So first time from home away, how did that feel? Um, uh, being away from home. Oh, it was it was odd. It was odd because you don't you don't know anybody, but you know you have to get out there in the wilderness and find mm -hmm. yourself. You can't be afraid. You know this is this this was my journey, and you know. 
I wish I can take mama with me. I mm -hmm. wish I could have my brother with, with me. I wish I can have my sister with me. No, this is your journey. Mm -hmm. This is your test. So you can tell how you pass the test yeah. to other people. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I remember um, going for a walk um, about a month ago. And as I was walking, you know, and I noticed I got to one block. It was just nothing but darkness. All the lights was cut off. Mm -hmm. And then my my mind said, it's like life. Yeah. You got to go through this darkness. Yeah. But at the end, there's going to be light. No matter what happens, you stay focused on the task at hand. And I began to continue to walk and walk. And then the light was there. Boom. <laughs> Most definitely, most definitely. Did, did did you work while you were in college at Upper Iowa? No, I did not work. Um, what I what I, what I did was I received um, eighty five percent of my work check every week while I was um, in college, which was good. Chrysler yeah. also gave paid us every week, okay. um, and um, it was it was it was a blessing to get that money every week. But it was just eighty five percent. I rather take um, eighty five percent. Then no percent. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most of it. And we could all use that in college. College, you know, we could all use a little college money. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So, did you have a job waiting for you once you did finish from Upper Iowa University? No, no, I did not. I did not have a job waiting for me. Um, what I did was I had spoke with a, a friend of mine, and I told my friend, I said, "This is going to be." And, and a great victory for us. I said, I'm about to graduate. Here's this manuscript. He had a publishing company okay. and he, he was shocked. And after that, we produced the, um, the, the uh, manuscript, um, the book and the book is it was at um, Barnes and Noble, still at Barnes and Noble and Amazon is still selling um, yeah. to, to, to this day. And so what I have been doing is um going out and speaking life into young men and women mm -hmm. lives. I, I speak at the Boys and Girls Club. Uh, I'm an active um, member at the Boys and Girls Club because I believe that people that are uh, experiencing hardship like I did when I was young, mm -hmm. they need to hear my story because yeah. it will really change their thinking mm -hmm. that so what I've been abused mentally, spiritually, physically, but I can overcome. Yeah, that, that that's so important. Just going out in the community, and that's kind of what my podcast is based on, getting to know your community or reaching out to your community. Um, that, that's ever so important nowadays. I, I think we need that more than ever. Yes, 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 we do. Because there's so much, and I have to say this, there's so much that's going on in our community, mm -hmm. the black and brown community. Mm -hmm. And I, I hear countless stories of yeah. I have my degree, but no employer is calling me. I'm not mm. a criminal. Right. You know, they are knocking on the door saying, hey, give me equality. Mm -hmm. Give me justice. Give me an opportunity to work for you. But people that are in position refuse to hire people of color. Why do you think that is? It's 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 I feel uncomfortable 
working with you guys. Mm. I feel yeah. uncomfortable around you guys. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to be around you guys. I want I feel comfortable working with white people only. Mm-hmm. And so that attitude, that belief has to change. Yeah. It really it, it really do have to change. And, 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 and so mm-hmm. when you see police officers, you know, um, shooting unarmed um, people of color, you have to wonder what is going on? Why you have to resort to shooting? Mm-hmm. Don't they teach you how to de-escalate? You mm-hmm. have so many hours of training, mm-hmm. but you don't put your training to work on the black and brown community. Yeah. You put it to work when you go into a white community. So mm-hmm. something, something, something is really wrong. A couple of years ago, this officer in Atlanta, Georgia, uh-huh. he pulled over this woman that was intoxicated. So the woman was petrified. She was just petrified. Yeah. And, and she had her hands up. And he said to her, why do you have your hands up? Well, she, I'm afraid that you're going to shoot me. And he said to her, we only shoot black people. Don't you see it? We only shoot black people. Mm. <laughs> wow. I, yeah. I mean, it's almost that nothing almost amazes me anymore. Yeah. So this guy, he, he you know, even though he was 20 some years on the yeah. job. Yeah. But they terminated him. Mm-hmm. They terminated him. Yeah. You're seeing that a lot. I do want to come back to this. I do want to say this. Uh, I just remember, and I don't know if you saw it, uh, it was about six years ago or so, and ESPN did like a a podcast on it. I believe it was like a five-part series. It was of Donald Sterling, who was, uh, he was a white owner for uh, the LA Clippers. Yeah, the Los Angeles Clippers. So I just remember, um, you know, he kept, he never really apologized to Magic Johnson, but, you know, he would say he's a great guy, but he does this, bringing up about the women he's, you know, he had been with back in the day. But I just remember Charles Barkley saying, you know, you're saying about the black and brown communities. Charles Barkley said, you know, Magic Johnson, you know, he said he said he used to work with us. We're biased. We loved him. But he, he said I always used to pick his brain as far as with his uh, business ventures and uh you know, it, it was just uh, you always bring people along the train with you. You know, mm-hmm. he mentioned mm-hmm. that. And uh, like you would just say, you know, it, it because I, I think it's important, like people like you in the community uh, bring along the people and, and, and know the struggle and, and, and just know what it's like um, and, and telling people not to give up. That That's just of the utmost importance. And, and see, and, th- and, th- and that's the truth because, mm-hmm. you know, when you've been through it you, and you see other people going through it and you know how to mm-hmm. overcome it, mm-hmm. you're supposed to go back in your community and right. pull people up and right. bring them out of it. <laughs> right, man. That's a, I, I tell you this too. I don't know if, if you say he, he's here in Arkansas where I'm at, but there is a, uh, a white officer. His name is Tommy Norman. 
and he's actually verified on all social media. He's like a celebrity here, here in Little Rock. He's from North Little Rock, Arkansas, but he actually goes in the communities, in the black communities, in the brown communities, and he does so much work. Uh, you have to look him up. Uh, he's just a phenomenal guy, and I hope to get him on the podcast. Um, he, I mean, I just think if more people were like him, you, you know, because I feel like there may be that uh, people may be, you know, apprehensive about going into uh, people, you know, cops that are white, going into these black and brown communities. And I think if more of that was done, uh, this would be a better place. Yes, yes. Yes, because a lot of these officers that police our community mm -hmm. can relate to our people. Mm -hmm. They don't they were not raised in right. our community. Yeah. So they should not be a part of our community and they don't know how to interact with our young men and mm -hmm. and, and brothers, brothers and sisters. They really don't. Mm -hmm. You know, they they want to lash out with anger and you got to look at their history. These, mm -hmm. these guys um, never interacted around African-Americans mm -hmm. or Hispanics or people of color. Right. Or they weren't popular in middle school or high school and they lost a spot on the football team or a soccer team or a um a baseball team to an African-American or a Hispanic and, and they still upset, you know, <laughs> they still upset. Yeah. And yeah. so they, they, they really, they really do take it out on us. They really do. You know, I, I told, I told a guy, I said, you know, you know, I, I feel that it's like 90% of white males don't like us. They really mm -hmm. don't like us. And they think mm -hmm. that they have these insecurities and they think that we want their women. But the question should be that they should be asking their women is, do you want them? <laughs> yeah, because there, there's that, you know, always ever question, you know, um, maybe wanting to date, date outside the race or, you know, something of that nature, maybe. Or, you know, they're curious, you know. But you know what? Yeah. When people talk about race and I always try to educate them. Mm -hmm. And I say, there's there's only one race, and that mm -hmm. one race is the human race. Is the human race, yeah. And mm -hmm. so, you know, if 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 you know, that's why when you fill out a job application, what are you Hispanic? Da 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 da. <laughs> it does not matter. It should matter. And so, the government designed that. So yeah. that's why we have the. Are you? Oh, he's black. Oh, he's African. No, no, Hispanic. No, oh, white. You know, or you know, Korean, Chinese, whatever. There's nothing but one race, and that's the human race. That's it. Yeah, I call that the that, that's that you know that man made that that's that was that was thrown out by man. You, you feel me? Yes. Yeah. You, 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 you know, there's certain things like man. You, you know, oh, that's just that's just some made. You know, that that's that's just something thrown out there. Um, I do want to uh, segue into this this last segment here. Um, and we've kind of been talking in the last few minutes, but uh, man, from 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 Mr. Floyd, now we got Jacob Blake, um, and then you know the NBA uh, boycotted um, all the four games today, going to be rescheduled. Um, George Hill 
with the Milwaukee Bucks point guard said, you know, we shouldn't even came down here. You know, what what's got to happen? I think that to be honest with you, we need to shut this whole country down mm-hmm. and we need to have straight up dialogue mm-hmm. with people. And we need to come together as one and and lay out our grievances. Mm-hmm. And white folks need to acknowledge that the sins of their forefathers mm-hmm. is coming to light. Mm-hmm. And they are repeating history all over again. And they always wonder, why are we out there rioting? Why are we busting out windows? But I can tell you why. I remember over a hundred years ago where yeah. it was in Tulsa, Oklahoma mm-hmm. before Black Wall Street. When you yeah. went in there and riot and rape and steal, burn, and not only burn, but you bum them. Yeah. You killed over 300 and something African Americans. Mm-hmm. Citizens. Your own citizens. Yeah. You know, I read a pat passage that said that history is like sin. Mm-hmm. Give it time and it will find you out. We're, we're seeing that so much now. And then the thing that gets me, there's always justifying. And I've called a few people out just, you know, how, how can you how can you justify that? You you really can't justify yeah. how Mr. Jacob died, mm-hmm. Brianna Taylor died, mm-hmm. um, Mr. Floyd died. Mm-hmm. You know, you really can't justify those mm-hmm. murders. But you mm-hmm. know what? They try to justify it. And, and, and that's why I tell people, I said, you know, they always say this, you know, he was a criminal or he used to smoke weed. Do you know he used to smoke weed? And, and everybody know in some states, you know, weed mm-hmm. is legal. <laughs> or, yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> or, or he had alcohol in his system. Well, it's right. legal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it just, it, I'm just, it's just baffling. Like, I, I'm just like, regardless, <laughs> regardless, I, you know, and I always lead with this. Hey, that was somebody's father. That was somebody's son, godson, grand grandparent, who, whoever you know. That was a loved one, and then I always come back with this: let that be your son, let that be your dad, and then you come talk to me later. Yep, yep. And you know what? I'm I um I have to put this in there. Mm-hmm. Look at our churches, and mm-hmm. I was I was telling this um, a friend of mine, Le- Leanna. And I was saying to her and other people, this pandemic was a blessing. Why? Mm-hmm. I said it exposed the weaknesses right. of mm-hmm. our people, mm-hmm. our political leaders, our mm-hmm. spiritual leaders, our professionals. <laughs> yeah. It exposed yeah. them because you know why? They've been playing politics. Mm-hmm. They've been saying they are leaders, but in reality, they're not leaders. Mm-hmm. Leaders don't behave like that. Right. Leaders look out for their people. Now, here we are in a pandemic, and I feel that we should have free health care. We're in mm-hmm. a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. The Democrats, the Republicans, 
None of them is talking about. We got to give these people free health care. Funny you mentioned that. I, I was actually on a conversation with a lady from work uh, with work today, and um, we were probably on the phone over thirty minutes. <clears throat> Her sentiments exactly. Everybody needs health care, you know, and a lot of people. And here's the thing, and this is what I brought up, kind of, kind of with what I was just saying, you know, about the shooting. Um, you know, Obamacare, like she was saying too, she said, hey, it wasn't perfect, but you just can't scratch it completely out and delete it out the system. Work on it, improve it, because that saved people's lives again. That somebody's grandmother could have been dead, somebody's mom that could have been dead. Then come talk to me, you know. Yep. It, it just, I, I just don't know. And like you said, coming together as one, we got to do better. Yeah, but you know what? The evangelicals, our, <laughs> our white brothers and sisters, they're not yeah. coming out and talking about it. Mm -mm. Their silence mm -hmm. is telling us that they are racist. Mm. Their silence is telling us that they are going to hell, that they mm. don't care. Their silence is telling us we do not respect people of color. Mm. But we want your money. We want your 10% because God said gives 10% to the church. Mm. But they would not speak up for the less fortunate. And that's a shame. Here's what's really bad. Cause I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got uh, some white friends and, and one in Orlando, particularly, he was on the podcast a few, several, about a month and a half ago or so. And he's one of the ones that's calling out people. Oh, Stop being silent, you know? Yep. This, this is, this is on you, you know, Hey, do something about it. Use your voice. Yeah, that's what they have to do is use their voice. And yeah. people people are afraid to use their voice because mm -hmm. um, they're going to be, people are not going to donate. People are not going to give. <clears throat> people are going to distance themselves from you. But let me tell you this. You have to rock the boat. Yeah. Yeah. You have to rock the boat. You have to. Mm -hmm. Because you know what, brother? I might be doing this interview mm -hmm. with you right now. And things can change in our lives. We can, right. the, we can be the next Brianna Taylor, the next yeah. Joy Floyd, the next um, Mr. Blake, Jacob Blake, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. We can be the next. And then we are in the spotlight. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I was telling a guy that I know, I said, listen here. I said, what if that had been, back, back to what I was saying, what if that had been me? Are you going to be out there marching with my family, my friends? You know what I mean? Yes. And people of the world, you know, you got to think about that because if, because if you're not, Hey, why are we even talking? You know, do, the question, would you have my back? It's almost standing up for what's right. You know, if you see, that's just like, if you see somebody getting raped or mistreated, you know, a child getting abused, what are you going to do? Are you still going to be silent? <laughs> you know, I mean, I hate to put it again. I hate people. It's all I hate to put people, but that's, that's why, you know, got to do what you got to do. Yes. On the spot. 
hey, what are you going to do? Yes. Yeah. So uh, talk to us in this last few minutes about your book, uh, No Love, No Charity, Success of the 19 Child. Tell us about that a little bit. Well, this this book chronicles my life um, from the day I was born all the way up until my um, graduation. And like I stated, being the first to graduate from college, uh, my mother birthed 21 children. I'm the first to graduate from college, 63 grandchildren and 87 great grandchildren. And now my book has been adapted into a screenplay. This book is available at Barnes and Nobles, Amazon.com. Also, another book that I want to talk about yes, yes. Is, is my mother's book. And she has a book out there, which is Love and Charity, The Life and Story of Louise Hunter in the Love and Charity Homeless Shelter. And that okay. book was written by um, Dennis um, Woods, a former um, resident of Love and Charity um, homeless shelter himself. Mm -hmm. And he did a remarkable job chronicling my mother's life. So both books um, are adapted into a screenplay and mm -hmm. both books are at um, Barnes and Nobles and Amazon.com. These, these two books right here, I'm telling you, it's a game changer. These two books will lift your spirit Spirit. It will elevate you. It will take you to another level. And some people in our society need this book so they can be elevated to a higher level. That is fantastic. I'm definitely going to uh, get that ordered. Um, and because I, I love good literature and, and I especially love my autobiography and, and you know, um, just, 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 just great readings of, of, of individuals. I, I just love, love to read. Okay. Yeah. And also, also, I want to say this, if anybody is looking uh, for a speaker to come to okay. your city, your town, um, you can visit my website, paullamarhunter.com. I'm also on social media under paullamarhunter.com. Great, man. That is great, Mr. Hunter. Well, uh, appreciate you being on. Hey, thanks for doing this. Uh, hope we remain friends. Uh, I, I've always wanted to visit San Antonio. Uh, hopefully you, uh, I, I can make it there and look you up and we have to go have a drink or something. Yes, 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 yes. When you down this way, give me a call. <laughs> I sure will. Well, uh, Paul Lamar Hunter, uh, check out his book, No Love, No Charity, Successful 19 Child. Appreciate you being on, brother. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Yes, take care. Bye-bye. Uh -huh.